I'm yep. What's up, guys? This is Corey Baker from Baker Forge and Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameri Braid Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. All heavy-duty parts and framing with well-thought-out accessories that are easy to use and not bogged down with lots of tiny parts. By far, the best accessory item that Ameribraid sells is their surface grinding attachment. It is absolutely foolproof and the best in the industry. With quick-release magnet system, there is no prying your workpiece off the platen. Very fast to slap a billet or a knife onto the table, engage magnets, and start surfacing with precise increments. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to Ameribraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast. What's going on, everybody? We're back again. It's me, your host, Ryan of Ryan Chadbourne Knife Works with Noah of the Anyout River Forge. And this week, we got Tobias Hangler back. Hey, Tobias. Great to be here. Hi, guys. Yeah. You're one of our favorite guests. We've, I think you, you're, <laughs> you're one of my up. favorite podcasts. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah. Perfect. I think you're, you're almost there with the record for most appearances. I think B Cone's at four. So you got two more to beat him. Okay. <laughs> we can do it. It's we'll fine. Yeah. Happen. yeah, I think it's number three today. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Before we started, Aaron, we were talking about box boxcar derbies and Pinewood derbies and stuff like that. Um, I've always wondered, like, does Billy you're in Austria. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have like uh, like the Boy Scouts over there? Is it, or is that like an American thing? No, that's that's pretty international. Um so we have the same thing. They're called, um, I guess, the German word for pathfinder um, is what we call them, uh, pathfinder. But similar concept. Or I, I think it's even you know the same thing <laughs> uh, as they go and have meetups internationally and stuff like that. Um, I've never really been part of it, um, but oh, I, I was for like two or three weeks and then. There were some <laughs> weird guys there, and then <laughs> I didn't want to go anymore. <laughs> they were Same bigger guy. than me and stronger than me, so <laughs> you know. I think I went to one meeting of the Cub Scouts, which is like the lowest <laughs> level, and I made a birdhouse, and then I never went back. The only yeah, uh, but the concept is cool. I think um, bringing oh, sure. people a bit closer to nature and teaching them stuff. Yeah, shout it's out to uh, shout out to Toby. He's always talking about scouts and the stuff he's doing over in the UK. Uh, the only experience that I have is my really good buddy, who's my my hunting buddy. He was an Eagle Scout, and he's been involved in Scouts most of his life. And uh, it's really frustrating because I can't tie a knot, like at all. Like I know how to tie, <laughs> I know how to tie an overhand knot, and I know how to tie a fishing knot, and that's it. And we're, you know, we'll be out hunting, and this dude will spend. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating a full five minutes tying something up. And I'm like, bro, yeah, yeah, it needs to stay there. It needs to stay there. So I appreciate the effort, but can we just put some knots in it and go? And he's like, he'll put like five different knots into like one thing. Like he'll put the rope. I mean, come on. Like I appreciate the skill and everything, but damn, let's get, let's get a move on. We can always tell like the Mariners or the, scouts 
who are grown men now who come to work to like drop off their tractors because it looks like a spider web of rope mm. yeah. instead of just like <laughs> two ratchet so. straps, you know? They're like, hold on, give me a minute, I gotta untie it. I'm like, oh, yes, you do. <laughs> oh, like, I'm, I'm untying it, it's gonna involve the knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either that or you're paying for it by the hour. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. How much do you like this rope? <laughs> so uh, how's everything awesome. going in your world, Tobias? Yeah. Good. I'm also more a man of the, the ratchet strap. Um, nice and simple and very functional. <laughs> yeah. No, things are good. Yeah. Um, you know, as usual, uh, tons of stuff going on. Um, a bit here and there little demo at a local museum the other weekend and knife making classes trying to fit in some knives i'm actually messing around with um some new new ish knife handle designs and ideas i kind of want to transition a little bit more into hidden tang um knives and actually got a four axis cnc for that purpose and i want to make the handles repeatable you know every every time the same every time the same size just different materials on that uh, cnc router so that i can focus a little bit more on forging the blades and you know performance stuff on the knife uh, on the knife blade because i think a machine can do a pretty good job on a handle and i don't really see the advantage of me breathing in uh, dust all day and <laughs> yeah. grinding hand ground handles if they're if i'm trying to do the same handle uh, over and over again anyways because you know it's the design i want it's the, the size i want so right that's kind of been a project that has been going on um, but in the back um, not 100 percent there uh, but it's getting there it, it makes has, a lot of sense because uh traditionally japanese handles were always viewed as disposable yeah, and it's kind of like a, a second second independent item to to the knife um, blade itself, and I I think they can still be you know pretty and uh, fancy and everything. They don't have to be for some people. You know they appreciate it more than others, but um, just getting to the to the like ninety five percent of the shape before the finishing, um, I wouldn't mind that to be kind of automated. I don't really see a disadvantage um, as a narrowing down my designs anyways and i want to keep that stable at least for some some of my work i guess well there's only so many hours in the day so right narrowing down some of those processes to where you're able to focus on the things that interest you is is definitely beneficial so i right that's it 100 we also you know we all try to bring value to our customers and um everybody has to have their focus and if we you know try to do everything crazy fancy and uh, for the first time on every part of the blade for every time um, it's just taking a lot of time and a lot of time transfers into a lot of money so be efficient where you can and you know as same with with you know just building jigs for everything that's repeatable just trying to speed up the process so that you can be uh, as efficient as possible i guess and then leaving a little bit of room and time and money for playing around and trying out new stuff, as you said, stuff that's interesting to us or, you know, relevant to performance or, you know, just looks cool as shit. (laughs) Right. Like how many hours do we spend hand sculpting and hand sanding our handles all the time? Yeah. And and, um, most of the time we all do the same handle for the most part. Yeah. You, you know, you, you remove 
a scratch here and a scratch there, and then it's a little bit asymmetric, or maybe the billet uh, or the the block of material came with one flaw in one uh, one spot, so you you can't always get the the same handle basically because you're you're trying to chase down symmetry and scratches on both sides, and um, mm -hmm. so even though I'm usually aiming for a very similar design, they always turn out a little bit different, and I wouldn't say that I could control it 100. percent I, maybe I could, but then I would have to be a lot more careful, which means a lot slower. <laughs> are you streamlining your materials too? Or are you going to be offering like just the same <clears throat> couple options? To be honest, um, I don't know yet. <laughs> um, okay, I'm kind of, I have to see how it plays out and how the process goes and everything. I think I'm going to be pretty flexible, you know, like stabilized wood or wood, pretty much anything, and maybe some of the other materials. But the, the machine setup that I have is definitely not suited for, you know, making titanium handles and stuff like that. So that will be, um, yeah, that will be hand ground again. Um, but for most of the, the materials that I have, I think you could pretty much do the same process for most of the woods and most of the, the resin cast stuff um, that I have. Maybe you have to change out end mills. Um, the cutters, uh, like G10, likes to rip down um, on pretty much anything, like belts and saw blades and stuff like that. Uh, it's I think it's going to be similar with um, milling it uh, on the CNC. So you might have to switch, switch out tools and stuff like that, but I think it's doable. It's probably pretty reasonable. If you always have a similar starting size, then I think you can work with different materials without really having to change it every time. Because you yeah. know, the setup is what really is time intense with CNC. So like making the first handle is a lot of work. And then the second, the third, and the fourth are you know getting less and less time. Right. Yeah. You sure. start pumping them out. Setup time is. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, well, actually, I wanted to ask one more question. So the um, the last time I looked uh, on the Apex Ultra website, it said that some of my favorite retailers are going to be having some of that in stock September to October. Um, do you know anything about the U.S. market and how that that's going to look in the near future? Um, yes, we have had a couple of delays. Um, let me check. For any listeners who aren't aware, um, the Steel Apex Ultra is a collaboration between uh, Tobias and a couple of other uh, metallurgists, and it is a high performance, um, specifically geared towards uh, kitchen knife, uh, carbon steel. And it's got some incredible properties. And uh, if you're not familiar with it, go back to uh, one of the other episodes where Tobias was on because we talked about it pretty in depth there. Um, but it's something that's going to come to the U.S. market uh, before, but in a very limited batch. And uh, it's going to be coming back again very soon. So this is a little bit of a little tidbit of information <laughs> that we're going to be giving you guys. Yeah. Anyone who's out there looking to take their, their kitchen's knife steel up to the next level. We're talking 68 Rockwell, right? Yeah, up to 68. That's right. Yeah, I usually so. use it in the 66 um, HRC range, but you can take it up to 68 as well. The 66 is still super still hard. Pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty much enough. <laughs> yeah, but, for uh, what but, I use it but, for. 
but more importantly, re- still retaining the toughness that you need uh, in in a steel like that. When you're talking about getting that high HRC, you know, a lot of people will try and shy away from that just because of the other uh, issues that could arise. But this steel and the properties that it has, definitely go check it out because it. I'm excited for it to come to the deal. U.S. market because I want to try it. And oh, I will be as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Baker Fortune Tool is going to have um, material very soon. Um, uh, it's basically, yeah, we're shipping it out very soon. So it's going to be f- probably a couple of a couple of weeks more until they have it. Um, Make a material supply is, I think we already shipped that. Let me check. I don't have, you know, all the delivery statuses in my head right now. <laughs> no worries. No worries. <laughs> no, it's a long list. Yeah, I think, I think they are, yeah, they, either they are on the way or they're going to be shipped. So it's also going to be in the next few weeks um, that it, the material arrives there. As long as, um, you know, import customs, um, sales clear. and Sure, of course. <laughs> and then uh, I saw that actually Lawrence is going to be having some of that up at Maritime Knife Supply as well, Maritime right? Maritime Knife Supply. Yes, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Lawrence and Maker Material Supplier, two of my favorite suppliers. Maker, I like weird Micarta stuff. And they seem to always have a nice selection of like weird, <laughs> obscure colored micardas or raw micarta or like yeah. all kinds of stuff. Sheets. Now, we've also um, only had the best experience working with them. Um, yeah, we had some crazy um, shipping quotes. I, I don't know what's going on in the world of shipping, but um, prices are going up and down like crazy and nobody you know they, they don't even bother explaining why it's two hundred dollars more now than you know a couple of weeks ago and then you're like okay i just tried to find a solution that's cheaper and now the time has passed i've got a few other orders and now my original offer is still the was the best but now it's even higher and it's it's bonkers <laughs> it's stupid yeah. because we, we try obviously to keep shipping costs as low as possible because it's you know it's basically of no use to anyone it's gonna just um affect the final sales price so um yeah we really try to get as many um as many offers from different suppliers as possible and sometimes just you know within the <laughs> the, the days and weeks of negotiating the best uh the best ways um the original offer is not longer valid and then yeah it's gee that's got to be frustrating man <laughs> it's frustrating. can't even imagine it's oh, so man. yeah pointless really sorry i was interrupting you talking about uh t10 right oh, oh i don't he, remember he doesn't yeah. remember yeah. <laughs> they have good that stuff like, go there check like, it out yeah. that was two yeah. or three minutes ago and you like, soon definitely yeah, they're gonna have obs- apex again obscure micarta yeah that's oh yeah that's right yeah like weird stuff, old stuff, old Westinghouse stuff. I mean, all the suppliers have it, but for the most part, they seem to always have the best selection and you can get it yep. in sheets too. Um, That's always nice. But yeah, they're cool people. Well, uh, speaking awesome. of Lawrence, do we want to just go ahead and throw an ad in here for, yeah. uh, for Maritime Knife Supply? Sure do. I feel like it's an appropriate time. Hustle & Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. 
And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Goosesses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Hey. There we go. Thanks, Leo. Interesting. Uh, so, Tobias, what does somebody like you do to wind down? What does Tobias like to do to chill? <laughs> that, that isn't science or knife related or business related. Like what's Tobias's fun? My, my happy place has recently been a healthy ha- habit. I tried to get better and I've actually enjoyed going to um, my CrossFit box the most. It's so doing CrossFit. Um, I guess people are oh, familiar with that now. Yeah. CrossFit. Yeah. And um, yeah, my brother is, um, he's, uh, he's ha- having his own CrossFit box, but he is a few hours away from here. So I can't w- work out at his, um, but it's kind of how I got into it. And I've been doing that for about a year now. And I try to go like two weeks, uh, two, two times a week. And, you know, when I go there, I can basically just turn off my head because my body's busy and that's, you know, good. I like to suffer. I have to, I need somebody <laughs> who yells at me and tells me to do it better and longer and faster. And that's good. It's, you know, good for the head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And on Sundays like this, when I really, you know, like relax also physically, um, we have a little garden here. So I just like to have a coffee in the garden or, you know, just go in the mountains, um, hike. I hike a lot with my wife um, whenever whenever possible, whenever the weather is okay. So today we just went on a little hike, you know, the nearest mountains, a couple of hundred meters up. And yeah, also good for the Fantastic. head. <laughs> you guys are so healthy. <laughs> I try to be. You know, I'm, I'm getting older and I really feel it. In, it. It's the weirdest thing. Ever since COVID, I only need to drink one beer and I have... Um, I have a cold on the next day. So I start coughing and I have, really? yeah, it's, it's stupid. I don't know where, where it comes from, but, um, you know, I, I tested it enough to have a s- statistic correlation. It's one or two beers enough and I'm almost sick the next day. So it, it, it affects my work and it affects my, you know, sport and it's just not fun. So I've actually been, yeah, drinking less. That's so strange. Wow. You've been forced to be healthy now. Yeah. yeah. I noticed <laughs> you had water this time. Usually yeah, it looks like stupid, you have some right? sort of tea or... Uh, yeah. Noah's drinking a... What are you drinking, Noah? Uh, I don't want to admit it on air, but uh, it's a <laughs> it's a hard seltzer. Uh, my wife... My, <laughs> so, my, wife my wife buys these seltzers... And they always come in a variety pack and there's inevitably one flavor that she doesn't like. And it's usually peach. My wife just doesn't, doesn't do the peach flavor and I love peach flavored things. So I, I get the peach ones and she drinks the rest of them. <laughs> so thank you for calling me out on that. I appreciate that. That's, it's okay. that's really I'm, great. I'm crushing the DDP. Oh, diet the diet, edition. diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crushing the sodies. Get that aspartame in there, buddy. Oh, yeah. Uh, you guys interested in playing a little game of uh, this or that there, Tobias? Sure. Go ahead. 
All right. This is uh, I got I got some some decent questions, and then I got I got some doozies in here. Uh, we're gonna start off nice and simple. Uh, high carbon or stainless steel? High carbon. Forging Definitely. or stock removal? Forging as much as possible. Woot steel or pattern welding? I'm going to go with pattern welding because that's what I do. I really think Woots is cool, but pattern welding for performance, I guess. Fair enough. Uh, on a blade finish, satin or mirror? Satin, definitely. Yes. Drop point or tanto? I'm going to go with drop point. Yeah, I guess, I guess. I guess that makes, makes sense. You make mostly culinary knives. A yeah. point doesn't really make a whole lot of sense there. Yeah, yeah. For most of what I do, it's a drop point. Yeah, yeah. I I do like it, like tanto blade, especially like in the tactical thing. It's not what I do, but you know, looks cool. And does look cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, wood or micarta? I'm a wood guy. Um, I definitely like. I work with micarta very very little, and um. Yeah, I guess it's also, you know, culinary tools, a little bit more traditional. Um, if I was making, you know, more work work knives um, or outdoorsy knives, I guess I would work more with my cutter. Very cool. Uh, short and stout or long and slim? <laughs> mm, for the knives, I like the bunkers. I'm going to get a short and stout. It's also more my body size <laughs> i was more short no no this stout. is just about knives here man come on <laughs> okay 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 <laughs> no i'm gonna go right. short and stout <clears throat> um uh would you rather forge a knife uh with spaghetti or make a sword out of bubble gum i'm gonna forge the knife with the spaghetti <laughs> definitely if you can make a knife way. <laughs> if you can make a knife for any historical figure who would it be historical figure uh, William Wallace. I'm gonna go with William Wallace. It's oh, gonna be big! There you go. Nice. <laughs> that didn't even hurt anymore. <laughs> All right, this is such a good question. We got it, Ryan. You got to answer this one too. Okay. No, that one. The one I just asked. That one. The last one. Oh, the yeah. historical figure one. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Man, Anthony Bourdain. Wow! Look at you. I'm gonna go with that one. Who's that? He's uh, he was a famous chef who passed away a few years back. Ah, he was just okay. a cool dude. He wrote some books. Did a lot of traveling, and he had a TV yep. show about it. And everything. Awesome. Yeah, that show was interesting. Cool. Uh, press or power hammer? Um, if we could only have one, I would go with the power hammer. Wow. Okay. Uh, would you rather fight a horse-sized duck with a knife or a hundred duck-sized horses with a tiny sword? Uh, I'm going to take the hundred tiny duck-sized horses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be at knee level. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to win. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're I mean they're horses, but they're duck sized. I mean, come on, who cares if there's a hundred? Yeah, yeah. And, Doesn't matter. But yeah. imagine a scary big duck. I mean, that would be. It's got to be really mean. Well, you got to think about also like the size of like if you're upscaling everything, those feathers are going to act like armor when they're that size. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how are you going to cut through that? 
No, uh, not happening. Uh, traditional Japanese style or Western style kitchen knives? I'm going to go with Western. Quenching in oil or water? Oil. Oil all the way. Water's bad. Water's bad. I mean, I knew the answer to that one. I just had to ask anyway. <laughs> uh, favorite knife-related movie? Uh, two examples are The Hunted or Rambo, but you can answer with any movie you like. Knife-related movies. Chucky, you know. <laughs> Uh, it's actually Crocodile Dundee. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with. Uh, I mean, it's not knife related, but it's definitely like stabby, pointy stuff. Uh, Lord of the Rings. It's oh, been thank God. Very. Yeah, no, it's you know, it's been all over my childhood. So. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to get back into Lord of the Rings here in just a minute. Um, <laughs> if you had to make a knife uh, for a famous fictional character, who would it be? And what would the knife look like? Okay. A fictional character. Man, I need, I need a lot of cre- creativity here. Take your time, man. Fic- favorite oh, fictional picking. character you want to make a knife for and what that knife is going to look like. There's so many. This is too hard. <laughs> this is too hard, man. This is my favorite question out of the entire bunch. Oh, man. I'm going to go with the Witcher. And I'm going to oh. make him... Uh, you know, he needs something to have lunch with and eat stuff. So it's going to be his uh, his travel companion, like a medium-sized uh, knife that he can carry around when he eats stuff. You never see him eat stuff, but that's okay. <laughs> he already has the big swords, so you know yeah. he needs a smaller thing. <laughs> but All right, I like I'm it. Of the Witcher, that's cool. That would be cool. Nice. Geralt All of right. Rivia. Uh, I'm gonna skip that one. That one's dumb. Um, would you rather have the ability to instantly shape any metal into a knife, or the power to sharpen any blade with just a touch? Ooh, I'm gonna go with the second one. That's gonna be too, too good. Okay. If your knives had magical properties, what would they be? <laughs> magical properties. Um, Got to go with 100 fire damage. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Oh, all right. Oh, I appreciate that. That was... Um, I noticed as I was reading those off, I'm getting a lot more lenient with the this or that. I used to be very like, no, you have to pick one or the other. And all of a sudden I feel <laughs> myself, I feel like I'm getting more open and I, yeah. I, I'm relaxing more. I'm letting people pick other things, you know, like we've had some and guests. It demanded a great deal of uh, creativity for me, which was exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry, you're, sorry you're exhausted now but uh so let's go back to something that's easy to talk about and one of my favorite things in the world to talk about uh who's your favorite lord of the rings character It's also a tricky one, isn't it? Um, I guess I was always mostly into or identifying most with uh, Aragorn. I think he's a cool. He's the cool guy. He's oh, the yeah. cool guy of the story. My favorite growing up was always Legolas because I was Legolas. always obsessed. I was always obsessed with you know the bow and arrow and the fact that he's yep. got you know those two thin, wicked-looking uh, <laughs> elvish knives on the back. You know. 
and every so often, you know, when I was a kid and, you know, it's not, man, it's really not, um, canon whatsoever. But, uh, when, when in the two towers, when he slid down the staircase on the shield, <laughs> on the shield, while yeah. shooting people, I mean, as a kid, you watch that. And I mean, I was obsessed with skateboarding when I was a kid. I mean, I, I spent every single day skateboarding. So, and then I've always been obsessed with the Lord of the Rings. So when I saw my favorite character sliding down a shield, like a skateboard down this ramp while shooting orcs in the head, I mean, it was phenomenal. It just blew my mind. <laughs> Uh, perfect. <coughs> Tolkien never wrote anything to to indicate that uh, Legolas had the ability to shield surf while uh, <laughs> while shooting his bow. But it was Special awesome. Ability. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I know my uh, my my kids are just getting into Lord of the Rings, and uh, oh, really? Well, are they awesome? Oh, yeah. No, uh, I I can I can predict, and I my 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 son is is. I would say moderately ADHD and he um, he will go through his, his hyper fixations. And so it's been everything from, um, Oh geez, I can't even, Mario was one. Um, Zelda was one. Um, what's that game with the blocks? Minecraft. Minecraft mm-hmm. was one. Lego has been fairly consistent because he's extremely creative and he loves building things with Legos. And uh, so his, current one is the Lord of the Rings. And so he's, I mean, all Star Wars was in there, of course, and, and on and on and yeah. on. So they're you get them to, to read the books as well. I mean, uh, I, yes. I can't get myself uh, to read it now. I tried every, everything now and then back then I re- read all the books um, front to back. And I think a couple of times, but now I'm lacking the time and patience, I guess. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't, I don't have the time or patience either. So, um, I've already talked about this on the show, so I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, um, but yeah. So I've listened to the the audiobook yeah, of the the, Sil- the Silmarillion read by Andy Serkis. So he does yeah. the voice of Gollum in the in the movies, and well, the character of Gollum, not just the voice. Um, and he's just got a, an incredible voice that's easy to listen to. Um, so I've listened to the Silmarillion and the Hobbit, um, both read by him. And it's a great way to, to get through it. Cause again, I don't have the, the time or patience to read anymore yeah. either. My son, on the other hand is an exceptional reader. He's nine years old and he's reading the Lord of the Rings. Awesome. Um, so he's, 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 he loves to read. He's, he's read lots of different fantasy books. And so now he's reading the Lord of the Rings and um, loving it, of course. And it's, that's great. I'm kind of afraid that the, uh, the new generations will um, struggle, you know, reading books from front to back with all the social media, you know, three second attention span kind of thing that's that's okay. going on at the moment. And you know, they are not to blame. <laughs> they they don't know anything else. But it's good good to hear that they're still reading. <laughs> yeah, reading books. That's very Absolutely, important. Man. Yep. Being uh, bored is very important when you grow up. I think that's <laughs> yeah. a main source of inspiration and creativity because. You only come up with things when when you're bored, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great point. Uh, learning to deal with boredom is a very important skill. I wasn't lucky enough to get my kids hooked on Lord of the Rings. My stepson was obsessed with Captain Jack Sparrow. Ah, and, cool. uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, he, like to the point where he had a hat with the wig. And he would wear it around the house. <laughs> nice. I'm like, honey, this is a problem. <laughs> like, we need to stop this. <laughs> yeah. That's Funny. great. He got over it though. He he's, <laughs> he likes Star Wars and Fortnite now. That's uh, good. So yeah, yeah so sixteen. We just signed him up for driver's ed. Oh jeez. Oh man. 
Yeah. Almost out of your hands now. Almost. Yeah. My <laughs> I have my son and my stepson, and my son is seventeen. He's going off to college next year. Mm-hmm. Dang. Jesus. I'm gonna die Damn. soon. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's going down downhill, you know. Very yeah. steep, and then it's it's over. Sorry. I was a young parent though. <laughs> I was I was twenty. Yeah, you must have was, been. Yeah, I was old. twenty when he was born. So yeah. Dang, yeah. Maybe you have a few more years to live, but I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Not if I keep pounding sodies and ripping cigarettes all day. Yeah, <laughs> funny, man. Me and the listeners hope that you're going to be around for a little while. Because uh, quick uh, little little side note here: if Ryan dies, I'm not podcasting anymore. So like, you know, <laughs> the show dies with me. <laughs> yeah. No, well, people people message me and they assume that like I have something to do with you know the production of the show, and it's like no, Ryan does everything. I'm just here for the fun. Like I just I just talk. <laughs> Ryan Ryan does everything. Like I don't know how to do anything. No, I'm not. I'm not. If Ryan dies, I'm I'm done. No one. I have a good fifty fifty arrangement pretty much worked out so like i handle booking all the guests i handle the production and putting the episode out noah handles wrangling me during the episode and the games we play ah, works, okay. out. works yeah. out good and all the <laughs> audio that luke hasn't done <laughs> if everybody's happy you know it's not a problem <laughs> yeah um so speaking of some of our listeners i wanted to give a quick shout out to will from maine uh spruce.hill.studio on instagram that dude is super skilled when it comes to 3D printing. And speaking of my son, I wanted to get him engaged in a pr- productive activity. Um, so I went ahead and I picked up a Ender Pro Neo uh, 3D printer. And it's sitting right next to me. I'm looking at it right now. And so me and the boys have been doing some 3D printing this weekend. And it is phenomenal fun. And they are really enjoying it. So I've been involving my my nine-year-old son in every process he's been learning how the program works and um how the machine works he helped me assemble the machine when it got here um so that's been a lot of fun and um will's just been a great source of information for me so i really wanted to give him a a solid shout out um because i really appreciate that and the dude is making some really cool stuff he's he's been doing some interesting tests and um all kinds of stuff. He's, you know, he makes his own wax and he's been testing that in different ways on um, blades and um, all kinds of stuff. So if you're not following spruce.hill.studio on Instagram, please go right now. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, he doesn't have as many followers as he should. Okay. I don't know how many followers he has. I haven't looked recently, but it shocks me every time because the dude has some serious, serious skill and uh, go, go check out uh, what he does. Cause it's, it's really cool stuff. And it's, it's going to be something on your feed. That's a little bit different than knife 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 you know he's got some cool stuff that he does so mine's all cat videos yours is all cat videos (laughs) 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 knife knife cat video it's it's a two to one ratio (laughs) yeah my my wife Um, sends me all all the cat videos so then i get i get the cat videos just from her sending them to me um do you uh draw in cat also the models uh not yet i'm learning print yeah, you're learning. I think that's that's uh, what's so cool about 3D printers because it gets more people uh, understanding the basics of modeling. And, you know, there's plenty of freeware, CAD, online stuff now where, you know, you can draw a sketch and you can extrude it and you can drill a couple of holes in into it and then you can make it uh, physical by using a 3D printer. And that's I think that's so cool, especially for students or for kids, you know, to play play with that and learn that and then 
have the easiest way to manufacture anything because um, usually you draw something and then it's you know it's just theoretical you can't have it in your hands um, until somebody makes it for you but then you have a 3d printer at your apartment in the city and you know that just creates this physical object which is really really cool i think and a big motivation to learn how to draw something in cad or whatever Blend yeah, down. one of the one of the big benefits of modernity is is something like this, where you're able to produce something physical, for you know, it's it's really a, a small uh, upfront investment. I mean, I I think I spent you know under three hundred dollars for you know filament and the machine and everything else. Most like like you said, most of the software is free, so the the software that comes with it is pretty good um, as far as I mean, I don't know anything, but it seems like it's really good and it's easier, easy to convert files and, and stuff like that. So uh, I'm really looking forward to learning how to do some CAD um, and I'm going to have my son involved with me doing that the whole way because I want him to learn as well. You know, I want him to, to get some real skills um, out of this because he, his mind moves faster than mine does. And so I need to keep him stimulated and occupied. Um, because he, he, he has to be, otherwise he will literally die. So, um, having something productive like that for him to learn. And I mean, it's such, it's, it's such a, a a usable skill that, you know, you're going to take with you for the rest of your life and, and learning all that at such a young age. And he's incredibly capable of it. You know, it's, he, he's already skilled just at using a computer in general. Um, so it's going to be awesome. It's interesting to see the progression of 3D printers too, because 10 years ago they were kind of regarded as like, oh, you can make cool little trinkets with them or like this and that. And now people are making legitimately legitimate products with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 10 years from now, who knows where that that technology is going to be? Yeah, you for know. sure. Look at cell yeah. phones, you know. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's astonishing how fast uh, filament printing has also become um, like... Uh, one of the students who came by uh, bladesmithing class recently, um, he was working in a lab and he showed me a video of his, you know, not even the $10,000 machine, but, you know, like a, a step up from the 300 euro or dollar machines, but it was like three, 4,000 euros. So it's still, you know, f- not super crazy. So as, as soon as you have uh, something that's producing something of value that can pay back, basically, it's it's not cheap enough for having it in in um in your house, but for a company, it's really not a big investment. And those have at least ten times the printing speed of my end of three, you know, printing away through the night <laughs> until I have a model in the morning. And it's still you know it's it's effortless uh, unless you need the product right now. Um, just drawing something up, a new model for a new handle, for example. Um, I printed those first because printing oh, is cool. easier than than CNCing, for example. You know, it's always it's toolless. That's what's so cool about it because you don't really need anything. You don't change anything. You just um, you just push your three D model over and hatch it, and then have the printer printed. Yeah, it, it's interesting that it's expanding out of plastics too because they're making houses now with like a. It's like concrete a concrete nozzle. Yeah, yeah, it's like a concrete nozzle and it just prints out a house. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Yeah. yeah That's they, so they, crazy. they look like shit, though. Yeah. <laughs> the surfaces <laughs> aren't nice. <laughs> yeah, they, look look sure they, they will get there. It's a, it's a bridge technology and um, they're eventually going to, you know, figure it out, I'm sure. 
need to be used on that ro- the the Roman formula for concrete with the the quick the, lime and the salt water. The Roman <laughs> Empire did have much better concrete than us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's why it's still standing. Um, <laughs> let's do a uh, let's do another. Well, not still standing, obviously. The anyways, the buildings. You know what I'm talking about. Um, not the Romans. You, you know, everyone everyone knows. You know, we, we think about the Roman Empire every day. Um, <laughs> I was, what, where I was did the, that come from? It just, I don't need <laughs> my feed one day. Everybody talking about the Roman Empire. I don't know. I was up in the mountains with no internet for like a week. And I come back and apparently there was a missing F-35 jet. And then everybody's talking about the Roman Empire all of a sudden. And I'm like, what happened while I was gone? I have no idea what this is about. So... Um, Let's uh, let's hear from Luke one more time about uh, our abrasive sponsor, and then let's play some fake news. Hustle and Grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact gator belts that the hosts of Hustle and Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. There you go, oh, guys. I meant Don't to get... send you a picture. No, I forgot to send you a picture. I got the body panel in the seat back on the five-wheeler. Oh, nice. I got all the, like, the CDI, like... So it's an old motor, so the it runs off points and a solid state coil, and that was bad. But the pickup coil still works, so you can you can swap it over to a CDI system. Oh, nice! So mm-hmm. I I got all that installed and zip tied up out of the way, and I had to make a new wooden pan for the seat because mine is all full of centipedes and gross ants and whatever. Things sat outside for a decade. When are the uh, one of the tires getting here? They might already be at the place. Oh, how, nice. how does the steering work on a five-wheeler? I'm curious. Not well. well. They banned three-wheelers in the U.S. because people kept like flipping them and fucking themselves up. <laughs> so this is like okay. a three-wheeler with two extra wheels and it's four-wheel drive in the back. So okay. we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> if and how it works. Yeah. <clears throat> it should be yeah. unstoppable. Uh, it's but as far as like <laughs> taking tight turns, ninety degree turn, yeah, then, then it's then it's gonna stop. Yeah, I mean it's for hauling wood and rocks, and it's got yeah. an eight hundred pound load capacity somewhere in there. Perfect for driving machines from A to B. Yep, and you just awesome. you pick the bed up and it dumps everything, and then you put it back down and go. <laughs> Here's your new hydraulic press. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Have fun. Oh my gosh, that'd be so cool. I, I'd be lying <laughs> if I said I wasn't jealous. Um you guys uh I got probably just kind of a short game here, but you guys want to play some fake news? Yeah, you sure. said they were doozies this time. Well, I got I got some good stuff sent to me. I think I might actually have a little bit of a challenge this week about uh whether you guys will be able to guess. Um let's uh you want to do a stinger or you just want to run right into it? Do it. Just do it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Stinger. Soundtrack. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Almighty. 
It's time for some fake news. So I need to be wrangled. Police warn that flushing yep. drugs could create hyper-aggressive meth alligators. Police say man with no hands and no legs is armed and on the run. A man admitted to the hospital with 25 plastic toy horses inserted in his rectum. Doctors have described his condition as stable. That's what I bring to this show. Stupid <laughs> crap like that. Yes. All right. We begin. Rabid Florida otter bit man... 81 times before it was captured. Hipster gets mad. His photo was used in an article about how all hipsters look alike. Threatens to sue publication only to find that it wasn't him. (laughs) (laughs) And they must both be real, though. (laughs) And, And lastly, woman shoots man 17 times. By miracle, no shot hits the target. She pulled a Pulp Fiction. Yes, uh, exactly. Seventeen times. I mean, that's unusual for um, short firearms. Not here. Right? Not here. <laughs> not, 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 mm, not in America. Like, like, don't, don't they usually mm. just have like ten to twelve rounds? No, no? we got okay. double stack mags here. So like a Glock ah, okay, yeah. eighteen so, rounds, I think. In Florida, and then you can get the 36. long ones. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Florida's a whole different story. They got fifty round drum mags on their uh, on their Glocks down there. On the pistol. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Um, they all sound absolutely plausible. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a tough tough call. I'm I'm gonna stick with my first um, thought, and I'm I'm gonna say the seventeen rounds were fake, and the other two are absolutely hundred percent real. Wow. So there was the Pulp Fiction. What were the other two? The All otter, right. the, the otter, yeah. eighty-seven a, a, times. A, a rabid Florida otter bit a man eighty-one times before it was captured, and a hipster gets mad. His photo was used in an article about how all hipsters look alike. Threatens to sue the publication only to find out that it wasn't actually him. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Tobias only because seventeen shots is like mathematically almost impossible if you're pointing a gun at someone. I mean, unless she was like pow pow, you know, like. <laughs> That seems, but the hipster, yep, I could see that. And <laughs> animals, when they get, when they get like the switch flips in a wild animal, 81's, he did all right. <laughs> all right. So you're both going with the, uh, the woman shooting the man 17 times. Uh, final mm-hmm. answer. Yep. Yes. All right. Good job, guys. That's impressive. That is absolutely, you're absolutely really? correct. That was, that was the fake story. Uh, I thought I was going to get a little bit more trouble. The 81 times I thought was pretty unbelievable, but uh, <laughs> dang, yeah. 81 times this guy got bit by this otter. Um, and then the the hipster one, I had to Google it, and I had to look at like multiple articles to find out <clears throat> this was in fact true because I couldn't believe it at first. I'm like, <laughs> no way. And then it, like, it had like the picture of the article and then like the picture of the dude, and like I could totally see why he thought that that was him because – Yep. Definitely looked like him. <clears throat> yep. It, it, it was like a scientific journal. It was like, um, not this, uh, shoot. I can't remember. It was like a, like a prestigious college that had written this, this article. And yeah, it was hilarious. The guy was all ready to sue and everything. And then they found out it wasn't him. Um, uh, shout out to, uh, Brad Trucks, Claire from trucks, Claire custom. That's a, Tough one, Brad. I'm sorry, but that was a tough one. Troxclare Custom Cutlery uh, for the Florida Otter one. And then I think the other two I found just perusing the internet. So anyways. Awesome. 
Great job, guys. I'm impressed. I thought the, I thought that was going to be a little bit tougher. Speaking of hipster. It was tough, though. It was. I, I went and saw Bill Burr. <laughs> oh, that's right. You went and saw Bill Burr. How was that, man? The show was awesome. It was great. Um, my wife and I have this habit where we we time the shows and then duck out like five minutes early so that we miss all the traffic. It works perfectly. Oh, okay. Um, but it was hilarious. The only thing that sucked about it was there was a couple that sat next to us and they both just sat there the whole time angry faced. What? No laughs. At a comedy show? None. Bill Burr. He is hilarious. Yeah. It was so good. I kept hmm. looking past my wife at them and no laughs. Uh, maybe like, maybe they bought tickets just so that they could go there and be offended. That's what I think happened because it was in Portland, Maine, which is. Is that anything like Portland, Oregon? It's a little better. Slightly. Oh, okay. Only right. slightly. But <laughs> it's it's our shithole in the state of Maine. Okay. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah. But I'm. I'm like, you doesn't even know what we're talking about. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've been to Maine. That's um, how far I can follow, but that's okay. okay. <laughs> oh, nice. But you know who it's, Bill Burr is. Speaking of hipsters. I don't, what, actually. He's hip, a, hipsters hip, are from Portland, basically. Is, is Pretty much. Is that's where the they were invented. We're talking about. Yeah, they were invented um, in Portland. Oh, really? Bill Burr. They were you, like, a, like an international movement. Maybe, beards. maybe, but <laughs> beards it, and man much, buns, pretty much synonymous with Portland. And anytime you see a, a guy with a man bun and a, a shirt, kind of like the one that I'm wearing right now, uh, you just assume that, uh, that that's where he's from. Okay. He, Portland. He's a stand-up comedian. Have you watched the Mandalorian? I, I think I did at some point, but I just saw the trailer. I have uh, you, bad you, he's only I can watch movies two or three times and I still don't know what they're about. Help me out, Noah. <laughs> ah, I'm surprised. Where? Oh, this is a astonishing twist of turn uh, of the. Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember shit when I watch movies. Like half a year <laughs> later, I can watch it again and be surprised again. <laughs> I'm kind of the same way, no worries. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of something else that he's been in. He's, he's in a new movie that's coming out um, soon that looked pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, he was in a couple episodes of that um, as a, uh, a former uh, Imperial sharpshooter or something like that. No, he wasn't, yeah. a, he wasn't a stormtrooper. He says that. <laughs> he was really offended about that. Uh, but anyways, yeah, he's a stand-up comedian. Um, he does a lot of that sort of stuff, but he's, he's a very offensive comedian. He, he gives zero you know what's he uh he he just kind of speaks his mind and he's 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 pretty funny guy it was pretty funny it was a good show it was and that that it had been a long time since i went to a comedy show and usually i go to concerts or something like that yeah um, i'm a bad introvert so my wife has this year been forcing me to go out and do stuff and uh concerts they're fun, but it's a lot of energy and you're standing because if you're in the seats and everybody else is standing, you can't see shit. And, uh, but a comedy show, you're all sitting. It's very chill. Nobody's like jumping around. There was a lot of alcohol spilt on the floor, which I thought was hmm. interesting because it was in a arena. It was in a hockey rink. Mm -hmm. So everybody was wearing jackets. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I just want to get back to knives real quick. Um, Tobias, you said that you're moving towards doing more hidden tangs and I'm kind of interested what, uh, what led you 
to that um, to that style? And what's sort of your your process? Not, not your process, your your design style as far as um, doing bolsters, not doing bolsters. Um, sort of what's your kind of preferred handle construction? You know, when you're going about doing like a hidden tang. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> my my underlying thought is mostly that uh, what what I don't like about hidden tanks is I uh, about about the full tank construction is mostly that I go through so many grinding belts because mm-hmm. you grind let's say a nice bright wood with some pattern in it and then at the same time you grind the spine of the knife and that steel as and it's like in 99% of my cases it's very fucking hard steel with 66 HRC um, Apex Ultra <clears throat> so I ruin my belt super quick and then right. you know either you grind in the dust from uh, from the tang into the wood again or you switch to a new belt and switch to a new belt and I'm just uh, tired of throwing so many belts away um, when I grind because basically at this point I almost I have pretty good belts for finishing the blades um, but on the handles especially on the finer on the finer grids there's really not not much of a yeah <clears throat> long lasting solution I can <clears throat> grind with ceramics up to 120 but after that it's aluminum oxide um, or silicon carbide and when I go to four or six hundred grits, um, it doesn't matter. It's one or two knives, and the belt is basically unusable for a finishing task. So, yeah, I just don't like throwing away tons of belts just to grind a to grind a handle when I can grind um, hidden tang handles basically much more effortlessly because you only grind wood and then you can do like six to eight knives per belt um, sure, if yeah. you only grind wood. <clears throat> Quick, quick side note. Um, do you yeah. have a preference between aluminum oxide and silicon carbide when talking about grinding wood or handle material? Mm, actually, I don't see too much of a difference in the two. Maybe the silicon carbide cuts a little bit longer than the aluminum oxide. Um, but there's, there's not like a dramatic difference. Um, I've tried both and... I don't know. The silicon carbide belt that I have right now is a little bit thicker from the backing, and I mm-hmm. think that has more influence on it than if it is aluminum oxide or silicon carbide. In theory, silicon carbide should last longer um, through cutting steel, as it's a harder grain. Um, but also, the aluminum oxide should leave a nicer finish. So, like when you when you talk to to abrasive guys, they will tell you that the aluminum oxide is usually the the better choice for finishing tasks, um, but that it's not the best um, for finishing a 66 HRC steel. But it is very good for you know the wood. <laughs> so um, you <clears throat> usually all the finer grits are aluminum oxide, but there's I think that it's a very grinding is so um, nuanced as well because it depends on the speeds that you use, the belts that you use, the backing that you use. If you use it against the platen or a softer backing, or if you use it on the slack or the contact wheel, or there's like there's so many factors to this that you know after after grinding 
hundreds of knives, you do things instinctively. And I, um, for example, when I grind a handle on the platen, because I have a facet that has to be strict and, you know, crispy, um, I turn down the, the speed almost all the way. So, you know, it's even though it's a small surface, I need very, very slow speeds. And then when I go on to the slack of the belt, I will grind at a much higher speed, although it's, you know, it's the same process, just and the same belt, and I'm doing the same thing, just at a different surface. And I think we probably all do this instinctively sooner or later, because you just, you know, I don't know, on the... For example, if I grind too fast on the platen, you will have the the glue up from the belt, you know, just bumping. Oh yeah, at, just at chattering all, like all crazy. The time, chattering, yeah. So you can't really go too fast, or you also you burn your woods. So it's very, I don't know. It's it's very hard because everybody grinds a little bit different and um, has different um, also grinding progressions and everything. Um, that I think you can't really give a universal recommendation for any any grinding process unless you oh, have sure. like the same yeah also one guy grinds i don't know <clears throat> rafia handles or g10 all the stabilizing resins react differently to heat and to grinding um, oh yeah i'm sure you also realized like when you when you have certain brands you need to be super careful about not overheating them or they will turn brown on the surface and like every type of wood has the same or has different properties. Yeah. But, no, I was mostly yeah. just kind of curious about your opinion on it, you know, because again, this is like you were saying, yeah, this is so, so, so multifaceted. And this is just something I've been thinking about recently between, you know, because I've just been experimenting with different belts for my handle finishing. Mm-hmm. I used to, you know, because I do a lot of full tang and I'm also kind of getting into more of the hidden tang stuff, but particularly mm-hmm. with integrals. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I've been experimenting with different grits and the different types of, of finishing belts and just trying to figure out exactly, you know, I'm trying to trying to figure out a good process. And I've started with um, just like a 60 grit um, silicon carbine belt. And that gets me my main handle shape and then yeah. go from there. But at the 60 grit, you know, you, you get all of your, you know, everything evened up with the spine and that doesn't, doesn't completely ruin the belt because you, I mean, you are going to be hitting the spine when you've got a handle scale that you're trying to match yeah. to the, the, the size of the tang. Um, and then going through that, those finishing belts and stuff. But I, I'll sometimes switch back to like a finer grit ceramic belt to try and get those scratches out of that, um, out of the, this, of the, the tang. tang as you're, as you're going <clears> through. <throat> Cause I've had that same issue. Like you're talking about where you're ruining belts because you're hitting the tang and you're trying to make sure yeah. you're getting all those <clears throat> scratch pattern and everything like that. So yeah. anyways, I, uh, I, I go as high as I can on ceramic. So I use 40 grit ceramic and a 120 grit ceramic. And one of the key learnings that I've had in the last years is that the surface also matters so much. So when you, for example, if you grind an octagonal handle, and you grind it crosswise on your uh, mm. on your belt, mm-hmm. it will look very bad. Like the facet will be um, very rough. The surface will be very rough. But then if you use the same grit belt and you grind the same facet um, lengthwise on the platen, so the handle facing uh, from top to bottom, you have just more surface um, surface area in contact with the belt and the individual grits are not going to cut as deep and you will have you know, like like a much finer 
surface. So yeah. the surface roughness will look a lot different than um, yeah than it did before on on the same thing. So I tried to go as fine as I can on the 120 because um, if it's pretty much perfect, you can only ruin one 600 grit belt and be done with it, mm-hmm. and um, you don't need the 240 in between or whatever you use. So you you you're also facing the same problem pretty much, right? Yeah, the finer exactly. grids. Yeah. But I, again, I'm trying to get more into those um, those either integrals or, or hidden tangs more, and a lot of it has to do with the lightness of the blade as well, because, you know, I'd say a lot of us are making knives for home chefs and I've had some, some deep conversations with um, some friends of ours about the, the weight of blades. And if you're looking to, you know, get a knife into the hands of a professional chef, you know, the weight of some of these knives that we're putting out aren't, they're, they're too heavy for a lot of professional chefs who are going to be using these all day, every day. And Mm. with a full tang knife, it's preference. it's, it's preference, of it's course. It's a lot of preference, yeah. But uh, but with a full-tang knife, it's really difficult to get that weight down as, as much as some people would prefer. And, uh, I mean, I've made some incredibly light blades, and they've all been hidden tang, you know, because you've just, you're losing all of that, <clears throat> that weight of the tang. Yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, I, as you say, it's it's also preference. Like, there is there is a balance, and I feel like it can be achieved with a good full tank construction, and it can be achieved with a with a hidden tank construction. But whereas definitely the weight is like uh, right out of the gate, it's higher with a full tank. No discussion. Um, with a hidden tank, I sometimes feel like it's almost too light um, on some blades, or the the balance point is a little bit too blade heavy if you have yes. a larger blade yes and then you kind of need to play with where can i add some weight near the bolster or near the end of the um of the handle or do i just make the handle you know 150 millimeters very very long to have the right balancing point so th- as always the right answer it is probably it depends <laughs> but um <laughs> like integrals are definitely like really really cool balance um and weight yeah. wise because you can make them really thin and they have the weight where you need it but if you have a very light weight um i only know that the weights in gram but like if you're uh, below 120 130 grams for a larger knife it just you know just the friction itself of the cutting force your knife can be as sharp as it wants to be but you don't need uh force to cut through the put um th- through a carrot or whatever but you still have some stiction on the side some yeah some friction and just that alone will stop the knife on in the chopping motions and that that can be frustrating like if the whole knife is too light i think it's also very cumbersome it depends if you do rock chopping it doesn't really matter that much but on you know chopping yeah i think um it can be like a little bit of weight is a good thing yeah just given too heavy especially if you have like a heavier spine that goes down to a very fine point you've got that weight to help push it through whatever you're trying to cut um you did you say 120 grams yeah something like that like that's super super light so yeah, yeah. For, our, for our listeners, that's uh, for our American listeners, that's under four ounces. So yeah. that's insanely light. I've never made a knife, although oh, that's not true. I made a knife that was um, the lightest one I've made was uh, five point three, so that would be one hundred and fifty grams. 
And yeah. that, that was the lightest knife I've ever made. And I probably will not make one that light again. Um, the next time I made yeah. a knife of it's, that similar construction, little. I added a, a thick stainless uh, bolster. Um, yeah. It was a hidden tang, but I did that, that thick stainless bolster. And the balance of it was much better. I've um, never weighed one of my knives. You should. It's it's very interesting, you know, just um, to see also how the the feeling correlates and also where the um, the balancing point, the center of gravity is. I, I thought it's uh, really helpful and, and interesting. Um, so as you say, 120 grams is insanely light. That was actually one of my one of the prototypes that I did, where you know I tried to go to extremes to find out where they start to suck <laughs> and i did gotcha. a five yeah. a five millimeter spine but then i hollowed it out with a double-sided very extreme um s grind um so hollows on both sides basically going down to paper thin in the middle and so even though the knife had a very thick spine i put you know just the cheapest lightest handle on there um that i could make and the blade was just, you know, it was super sharp, super thin, but um, you couldn't chop through anything because just the friction um, yeah. would stop the, the motion of the blade. And hmm. that, that can actually feel very frustrating. Well, and then you're wearing, you're, you're putting extra pressure on your wrist. I mean, if we're talking about something that's going to be used all day, every day, you're causing yeah. more stress to be put on your wrists because you don't have that weight to just push through itself. So, yeah, they're can be bad on both ends. I, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we went a little derailed here. So um, <laughs> back to your, your process as far as the handle goes. Um, so with your your hidden tangs that you're trying to, trying to work out with your CNC and everything, is there a, a separate bolster that you're going to be gluing up to um, a single handle piece? Or what, what exactly is that going to... Wh what was your, your thought process behind creating this this hidden tang everything <laughs> um <laughs> i can't decide that's my problem I'm, I'm having some sketches here that i was working on and one of my original thoughts was that i wanted to have like a, a takedown handle with a bolster we have the handle and the separate element that is locking the knife and then you have the bolster and the handle and it's all modular and in interchangeable been, as i been went looking through at construction and production of that 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 turns out to be probably really cool but also not the cheapest knife um that i can make <laughs> so it's, gotcha. it's probably gonna be more in the in the upper price range um i i think there's a you know there's a place for for all of these things where you ha can have the fancy takedown um with modular pieces with a bolster and the handle and either you have like threads going through and a pommel nuts that you can fix um or also just you know have one piece of handle and then you you come down to a semi-integral handle so um when you have the the handle as one fixed piece um then you can have like an heirloom fit down to a semi-integral yeah. mm -hmm. so that's one of the puristic things that i like but then if you only want to make this concept you you kind of need seven eight millimeter thick spines um, which is not going to be super handy for some types of knives. So maybe on a paring knife or like on smaller knives, this is not going to be um, a reasonable way of producing them. Um, just, you know, because of on the pain scale, of keeping sure. everything centered and yeah. um, it's not really necessary or beneficial. So then you could also have a separate um, way where you just have like the traditional, you know, 
slot in the front. Um, you can do that as well. Just put in a dowel in the front. There's there's certain restrictions when the, with the way I designed the process of making the handles. I wanted to have full access on the rotational axis, so I mm -hmm. can um, basically CNC all the sides. But I need um, I'm gonna have like a an eight millimeters thick steel dowel that's drilled and glued into the center of the handle. So that's where the CNC basically grabs the handle and turns it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to have a hole in my handle. So that's basically the only thing that I have to take care of. What, what does the front look like? How do I get the slot in there? Because I can't machine the front side in one up. Right. So no decisions, um, lots of ideas, and we'll see <laughs> where it goes. Um, yeah, it's still it's still in the conceptual phase. I made like 20, 20 handles so far, and just playing around with it, making different designs, see what feels right, what looks good. Then, yeah, the the bolster is gonna be my next my next um, target. Like I'm pretty happy with the handles or with the handle design that I have, and now. I have to find a, a good repeatable way of designing the bolster so that it is, you know, good for manufacturing, but also that I can index it maybe with some kind of heirloom fit. Um, we have some small step downs, some radii um, yeah. that everything fits together and then you can, yeah, get it together with the blade, marry them all with <laughs> some epoxy or maybe takedown. We'll see. I think takedown. Very yeah. cool. Would be so cool, but it's so much more work. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But yeah. I love the idea to have, you know, like almost a shop where you can have handles and blades separately, and you just pick, you know, and put them together. That would be cool. Unnecessary, awesome. but very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps your mess segregated too. Yeah, that would be, that would also be cool. You know, just from a production standpoint, you can make bolsters all day. They all got to be like super precise, but it would be cool yeah. in a way. You say unnecessary, but at you know when you, it depends on the scale that you're talking about. You know, because we all curse epoxy, and you yeah. know the idea of being able to create something that is just dry fit together and then it's finished is is such a such a dream like thing that you <laughs> think think about. You know. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I've made some little EDCs where there's, there's no epoxy. They're just bolt on scales, you know, and, and I yeah. love doing that. Um, everything has to be precise, like you said. Um, so that's, that's a challenge, but, uh, but the benefit of being able to pull scales off, oh, this one got damaged, uh, you know, just, swap, yeah, not know, just in the production. Also when you get them back for repairs or, yeah. I don't know, you, you, you're just so, Yeah. You can, you're, not, you're not taking so many... a, a chisel and splitting the handle off and completely redoing anything, you know? <laughs> you're just taking it down. You, and You know what's the best uh, source or the best method to get your handle scales off? It's actually an induction heater. Um, oh, because oh, you only heat sense. the metal, and then the glue is the first thing that gives up. Uh, it's fantastic. I never would have <laughs> thought about that. It makes really a cool. lot of sense. <laughs> Uh, hmm. You got to find the right Good spot idea. where it's not burning the handle, but um, actually works pretty nicely. Hmm. Good to know. All right, guys, we're a minute and 10 minutes in. We are going <laughs> to 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, God almighty. We are an hour and 10 minutes in. Thank you, Ryan, for calling me out like that. That's brutal. Uh, but, I, <laughs> but, I, but I deserve right. it. Um, so anyways, uh, 
those of you who don't know, um, you can go to patreon.com and slash hustle and grind. And for as little as $1 a month, you can help support this uh, drivel of me calling hours minutes and minutes hours. And uh, we really appreciate everyone who does that. Um, Last quick note. um, If you are somebody who struggles with hydration, you really need to check out liquid IV. It is a small packet that you can get for a very low price and you mix it in with a bottle of water. You can mix it in with a cup of water. It doesn't matter. It dissolves really easily and it hydrates you twice as fast as just water alone. And I think we've all been there on a hot day where you just can't seem to drink enough water. Well, liquid IV is where you, where you need to turn at that point where you need to get hydrated. Um, keep that heat exhaustion away. We are all working with hot forges. Uh, most of us, you know, are in the trades, which means that we, drink other things a little bit too much sometimes and well if you need to recover a little bit faster liquid iv is where you need to turn and that's where i turn constantly so uh i drink liquid iv pretty much every day i've drank one this morning to get ready for this podcast um highly recommend you check it out and if you go to liquidiv.com and you use the code hustle 10 that gets you 20 percent off your order that makes it cheaper than any of the other big box stores that you go to on a regular basis um and they have all the flavors on there. Um, if you go to a store, you're going to get like maybe two or three flavors. You go to liquidiv.com. They have all of them. And they're all pretty much always in stock there. So you can get anything that you're looking for there. Um, they have the energy ones. They uh, recently came out with a couple of new sugar-free flavors. And they have some that are specifically designed for kids. Um, if you want your kids to be mentally focused and staying hydrated good, um, my kids love them. So I highly recommend you check that out and use that code HUSTLE10 for 20% off your entire order. We really appreciate you guys. Um, We're going to switch over to an after show now. So all the lovely people that support us on Patreon already, you're going to get to listen to this this after show we're going to go to. And uh, if you feel like you want to listen to it, we're going to, you know, talk a little bit more about this, maybe a little bit different. You don't ever know. Um, So you can go to patreon.com and you can listen to this and all past and all future after shows as well. So um, thank you all very much. And uh, we will talk to the rest of you all next week. Yes. And thank you for listening to the number two podcast in the knife making world. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to ask Brian how see where see where we're at. I got to get a hold of them metrics, figure out where where these numbers are coming from. I, th- I think they're coming right out of Brian House's ass. I could be wrong, but uh... <laughs> I will I I will admit defeat to the work for it, but I would say we're solid. Maybe number two, possibly neck and neck for number three and four with fire and steel. They're Shout like our, our European versions of us. <laughs> <clears throat> shout out to All Honor. Right, guys. No, shout out to Toby. Come on. Shout out to Honor. Fucking A. Jesus. Bye everybody. Bye guys.